What's up, Moto community? Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Dented Pipe Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie, and in episode nine this week, I am excited to bring you riding for the team TPJ Fly Racing on the KTM 250 for the East Coast Supercross 250 Series is Kevin Morant. Also, calling in all the way from Canada and a good friend of mine, host and creator of Big MX Radio, Brad Gephardt. I'm excited to have both these guests on the podcast this week, and I thank both of them for taking the time out of their schedules to call in and do these interviews. I also want to give a huge shout out to Berm Lord Graphics for creating that awesome logo I now have for my podcast. And as we all know, every job starts with the right tool for the job. Berm Lord's Graphics is the right tool for every graphic job. Check them out on Instagram, go to their website. And whether you need graphics for your bike, jersey, stickers, whatever, they got you covered. Now, as a way of reminder, like I always do before every podcast, I just want to remind everyone, I in no way have any affiliation with any riders, mechanics, managers, teams, manufacturers, owners, or any sponsors involved in the Monster Energy Supercross Series or Big MX Radio. This is simply a privateer podcast by a fan for the fans. And if you have been listening to any of my podcasts, you know I am a huge fan of Supercross. Been watching from the 90s all the way up to present, motocross and Supercross. And I just decided to do my own podcast. So with that said, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I'll stop rambling and get into the podcast and bring on the guests that everyone really is listening to. And there's really only one question left to ask. Are you ready to podcast? With me now on the podcast is Kevin Morans. Thank you, sir, for taking the time to join the podcast. How you been doing during all these crazy times? Oh, just trying to figure out what's going on, to be honest. I mean, you're kind of in the loop uh, of everything that's going on. They can't really make many decisions yet just because it changes day by day, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear that, and a lot of it's out of their hands as well. I'm sure there's a lot of plans they'd like to do, but it all depends on the government and each state and what they're willing to allow people to do. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, it's just kind of a mess right now because at least for uh, privateers, I guess, so somebody in my situation. Mm -hmm. So you know how they immediately kind of canceled everything and they're like, okay, Supercross for sure is happening after outdoors, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm lucky for one because my race bike is still on the TPJ rig and it's still got all my Supercross stuff on it. But I came back home because I didn't know how long this was going to be. And I took all my stuff off. I was like, I don't need Supercross anymore. So I got switched all back to MX. And now they're saying Supercross is going to happen before MX. So I'm just sitting here with my suspension off just because I'm waiting until I actually get a call to go back to SX before I have to. It's just got all over the place. I hear you. No one really knows what's going on. Now, your personal preference, which would you prefer, finish Supercross or do it at the end? Supercross, 100%, just because that's what we have all our bikes set up for. At least my race bike's set up for that. It's in Texas right now. Okay. And so I'm from Dubuque, Kansas. So that's where I'm at right now. So I was actually about to go get my bike, my race bike, um, probably like two weeks after all this stuff happened, just so I can start getting everything ready for outdoors. But <laughs> yeah. now that they're saying this, I'm actually happy I did Yeah, it's probably a good thing, too. I know a lot of people yeah. are burning motos on their Supercross setup, so that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I, I've done that before, and it's not 
That is not what you would want to do. It is not fun. Now, for us listeners that are are fans of Supercross, but maybe never really ridden Supercross, um, what what's the difference in setup or some of the basics between motocross versus Supercross? Um, the basic is probably there's there's two main things that kind of come to mind is obviously suspension. Um, being Supercross and not outdoors, outdoors you're a lot faster paced, more mellow um, jumps, I guess. So you know. In Supercross, everything's so steep and everything's so big and peak that you have to have your stuff a lot stiffer just for the fact that you're coming into jumps a lot like quicker, mm-hmm. under a lot steeper mm-hmm. faces, and you have to have the forgiveness or the forgiveness in your suspension that if you come up short or overshoot something, like you have to have pretty stiff suspension. That along with I mean, everybody knows how big the loops are. So. Mm-hmm. Stiffer suspension for sure, and then gearing is the two, I would say. Right on, right on. Now, uh, let's just go back a little bit. Uh, how did you get into riding dirt bikes? Was your family into it? Is it something you came across? What got you into dirt bikes? Um, so, actually, so when we moved here to Topeka, because I was born in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, when we moved to Topeka, I was, I think, three years old, um, and we went over and like introduced ourselves to our neighbors. And our neighbors, which was uh, Neil Tightman, and then there we have some other neighbors, that, their last name is Kevin's. And so we went over to introduce ourselves, and those guys were around our age, like me and my brother's age, because I have a brother that's a year and a half older than me. Um, and we went over there as a three- and four-year-old and introduced ourselves, and we saw them, their little kids, on little, like, P-dubs and 50s. Right on. And my dad had always rode, like, when he was younger, um, never really raced, but he'd always just, like, rode their bikes and stuff. So as soon as we saw those kids riding, like, we obviously looked at our dad like, yeah, we want those. We want those. <laughs> so uh, we eventually, I think my brother got a, um, we both got little P-dubs, and that's just kind of how we started. Right. It seems like a lot of people started on those P-dubs. They were big. I, I don't know if they're still so big anymore, but I know back in the day they were really big. <laughs> Yeah, because I remember, I know now, like, all the, the P-dubs are all little Yamahas and stuff. Yeah. But I, had, I had the the yellow P-dub. Oh, right on, right on. Now, uh, did you do a lot of amateur racing? What was your amateur scene like growing up? Um, so, I kind of went a different route than a lot of kids nowadays. A lot of, you know, all these, like, I guess, quote-unquote, factory amateur riders and stuff. You know, everybody now is more or less homeschooled, um, train year-round, do all this and that. Um, I came from just more of a normal background. Um, my amateur racing was pretty much only Loretta's because uh, I went all the way through public high school, mm-hmm. uh, graduated high school with 4.13 GPA, and actually ended up, I mean, I'm still doing, uh, actually just graduated with an associate's from college, and then just going to continue with that. But, um, yeah, so I went through public high school. Uh, my parents... Didn't own any kind of business or anything like a lot of other kids in, in the racing industry right now, um, you know. So there was halfway a financial situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with trying to hit all these nationals, leaving work, my parents leaving work, um, and all this stuff. And I had school too, so and I played other sports. I played football four years high school. Um, so I don't know. I guess more or less what I'm trying to say is I was more of a normal kid uh, and just did Loretta's every year. Never did anything more than one qualifier, one regional. Uh, so we just went with what we had. Uh, been to Loretta's, I think, seven or eight times, and top ten five of those times. Nice. So. 
Now, when did you turn pro? When was your first pro race, and how did it go? Um, my question to you is like, would you consider, which I consider it, my first pro race would probably have been like through Amsoil Arena Cross. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. In 2018, you did both the Amsoil and the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. Yes, correct. So, like, I would have to say, I mean, I guess if you're thinking Supercross Motocross, my first one was Hangtown of 2018 for Pro Motocross. But I think the most beneficial thing for me was I was kind of over the the Loretta scene because mm-hmm. I was in the top 10, was right behind, you know, the factory kids and everything like that. And it just, it really didn't do a whole lot for me. Um, you know, I, I did my best of trying to introduce myself to people, but never really got an opportunity. And I knew, you know, with what I had going, you know, being in school and doing all this and stuff, because I was, I think I had just gotten out of school when I went to the Amsoil Arena Cross because I graduated that semester my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. That way I could, you know, race yeah exactly in the arena cross time i guess uh, instead of having to go to school still so um i ended up graduating semester going to amsoil arena cross and getting into more of the pro stuff and decided to make a name for myself there instead of waiting all year round training to go to loretta's one time in one race to possibly have to go back you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I hear. so you have a lot more chances when you're racing every other weekend or something like that <laughs> so went into amsoil arena cross and as soon as I got to, I remember, I remember very vividly as uh, in Wisconsin, which is the first one I raced, walking the track, and I was I had no idea what to do. Like I had very minimal preparation coming in. Uh, I had raced uh, some Nitro Arena Crosses, um, which is the Hoosier Arena Crosses now. Yeah. Um, and I got some experience through there, but clearly, you know, Amsoil Arena Cross and that kind of Arena Cross is pretty different when it comes to track. Mm-hmm. and how technical it is. So when I was walking the track in Wisconsin and we were walking through the loops, I, I had no idea what to think. I was like, how are you supposed to get from this point <laughs> to that point to that point? I was like, and those were one of the biggest set of loops they had all year. So I was I was freaking out. But I came out, um, qualified pretty good, and ended up just killing it that night. Like I won my first heat in the AX lights class, came back, um, got like third, I got the whole shot, and got third in the first AX class, so I was right behind like Hayes, and I think Sewell maybe, or Blows, I don't know, one of the two, but did really good in that, so I got into head-to-head, my very first race, period, in Amgore and across, in the AX class, so the bigger class, mm-hmm. race that, and then with the lights main, with the AX main, like, there's a lot of racing, but that was like, that was my turning point, I would have to say, is how good I did in the Amgore and across, kind of built a name for myself, you know, displayed my talent, and uh, now it's just trying to take it to the, the big league of the Supercross, and was finally starting to get some really good momentum before all this craziness happened. Nice. Now, uh, just speaking of Supercross, which is where we'll get to when we get to 19, but how do you feel, do you feel that prepared you? Is that a good move for amateurs to get at least a little bit? I know it's obviously not nearly as big, but it's more Supercross style than, say, motocross is. Uh, for what, what, what's the question? I'm sorry. Do you feel doing the arena cross series is is good for amateurs? Because you know um, the, you had the road to supercross for a few years through yes. through and there. The, the unfortunate thing is, I'm sad that they took away the arena cross. Um, you know they have the I think they have the kicker arena cross mm-hmm. or something like that, is which is the televised one. But that's 
watching those those videos, they're nothing like Amsoil ran across. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I really wish that Amsoil ran across would come back because that's a that's an amazing stepping stone to go on the Supercross. Because when you're in Amsoil ran across, the tracks are tight, the they're technical. Yeah, they're they can be sketchy at times, but you're going at quite a bit slower pace. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to your overall speed, than when you get into Supercross. Mm-hmm. So. Because I raced the, the amateur day supercrosses um, before I, you know, got into the amateur or uh, Amsoil super or gee, sorry Amsoil arena crosses, um, and the difference between that is the amateur day supercrosses they have to make it so fifties, sixties, eighties, beginners, C class riders they have to make it so it's safe for everybody. Mm-hmm. So when you get A level riders out there trying to get their points. There's no separation. There's no big yeah. set of whoops. There's no sketchy rhythm section that, you know, the, the more skilled kids are going to have an advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's pretty much just the start and who can stay up and not get cut off. So <laughs> I I know that they have to do it some way, but if Amazon Arena Cross were to come back, that's way better stepping stone than anything they have right now, in my opinion. Right on. Uh, what about the Monster Energy Cup? you think... That's good enough, or you think a series is better than just a one race kind of experience? No, I think I. <laughs> I mean, this is me being from not one having quite the right connections, all this stuff. But I remember, like when I was on super minis, uh, several kids that I beat at Loretta's on super minis got the invite to Monster Cup. I wanted to go so bad. I tried my best and tried to get a hold of the right people. I didn't know the right people. So when slower kids were getting the invite and I wasn't able to go. I don't think one race for anything is better than having a series that, you know, you can go and, and attend and showcase your abilities instead of being invited to this one event. You know what I mean? I got you. I got you. So I never got to do Monster Cup as uh, an amateur. I would have loved to, but I think it's, you know, the, being able to go to the Amazon Arena Crosses and doing the way that I did there was a lot more beneficial than going to one race. I do think that Monster Cup, whoever gets to race it, uh, I do think it's a good event because they're obviously racing the same track that the guys are racing that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a way more technical track than it would be on an amateur day. You know what I mean? True, true. So uh, how'd the 2018 motocross season go for you? Um, not too bad. I mean, I was just like kind of getting into it, completely just driving every round, uh, just doing my own thing pretty much out of the van, um, and I've continued to improve. Um, I made every uh, um, made every day race, I guess you could say, yeah. in the top 40. Um, my first year, uh, besides Ironman, which was the last one, and it was complete mutter, and half of the top five didn't even really qualify, but they got seated in. I gotcha, I gotcha. You know what I mean? So... Um, it was not exactly where I wanted to be at all. And, you know, last year in outdoors, I never really felt super comfortable. Um, but I, I stepped it up a lot. I got quite a few points, got some really good finishes. So I was really stoked to come into this year. So hopefully they just, they're able to bring it back and bring back racing safely. You know? mm-hmm. Understood. Understood. So what was it like stepping into Supercross in 2019? So what was unfortunate about that, <laughs> that uh, is, one, it was an amazing experience, but two, I only got to do half a season mm-hmm. because I ended up breaking my leg in November of 2018. 
so going into the 2019 Supercross season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, I did not get back on the bike until I think February 15th. Ooh. Or it was February 5th or February 15th, um, back on a Supercross track, which is the exact date that East Coast started. Mm-hmm. So I had, what is that, probably three weeks to prepare kind of off of a broken leg. Um, to go, my first Supercross race was Daytona last year. Um, so I got to come in to the gnarliest track, <laughs> the hardest one. Um, but I came in, made a night show, um, and I actually had a good showing. I, had, I pulled the whole shot in the first LCQ before they ended up having to red flag it. I can't remember why. But uh, missed, the LC, missed it in the LCQ by just a few positions. On my first supercross, which wasn't too terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I want to be a main event dude, and I want to, you know, start working into that. My goal this year was to be a main event dude and work into that top ten. Um, right on. And so far, my best finish was a sixth in um, the heat in Atlanta and the fourteenth in May. So, and that that was all in Atlanta. So that was kind of my best finish this year so far. And that was obviously right before this happened. But right. so I had four races of supercross last year. And I made two names as a rookie and coming off of a broken leg. Now, you also went out to, I believe it was Germany in 2019 and did their series? Yeah, that was, oh my goodness, man. That was something else. Because, yeah, I actually went over there with uh, Justin Starling. He was part of my team. And uh, uh, Cheyenne Harmon was over there. And I can't remember. I know Yogo, who was a mm-hmm. overseas rider, even by or not my mechanic, but my uh, my teammate as well, the 2D class. So I went over there for the Casual Suzuki team, and it was it was an amazing experience. Is that something you see yourself doing in the future, more overseas races? Oh, absolutely! I 100% plan on going back this year if it's still going to happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, it was. It's wild over there. Now the tracks are like it looks like they're just made out of Play-Doh. They're super tacky. Like when we got there, I remember talking to Justin because one of our first races. Which have you ever seen those tracks over there? I have not. So I have a couple videos on my Instagram. If you know anybody that wants to go look at them, my Instagram is Grand Seventy Seven. But if you scroll down and go to some of the Germany videos, the tracks like they just look like video games. Like they're so sketchy, <laughs> so peaked, so just weird that they, it, is, it is pretty dangerous, but. It's fun because it's very technical, and I am more of a technical writer, I All think. Right. Um, like, I enjoy that kind of challenge, enjoy that kind of writing, because if you can be good at more or less that stuff, it's a lot easier to separate mm-hmm. yourself from other writers. Mm-hmm. For sure. I'll definitely have to go uh, check those videos out on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> there's a few of them that are just like, why Why would they do that? Like, I have some videos on YouTube, too, of... Uh, I did like some vlog series stuff over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to check that out too, because there's a there's a couple of wild crashes on there too. That it's just I wish I could show you a person to see your reaction. It's <laughs> wild the way that they built some of those tracks. How yeah. just there's no forgiveness, pretty much. Right on. Now speaking of your Instagram, I noticed you've been doing some uh, coaching or giving writing lessons during this break. Is that something you really enjoy doing? Yeah, I love it. So, I mean, obviously the best way to put into my program is just going and, you know, asking people, hey, can you help me out? Like, mm-hmm. I enjoy the fact that I put in the work to put back into my own program instead of just kind of asking for it. Mm-hmm. Only, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, that's still a part of it, but 
Um, but it's, it's awesome for me because I get to give back to the kids that look up to me, get to watch Supercross, get to watch all of us race, um, teach them, help them better in their careers, and it helps me fund my career. So it's like it's a win-win-win for everybody. That's great. That's great. So is that something you see yourself doing after you're done, your racing career is done many years down the road? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think I'll ever probably stop helping kids out and, you know, working with kids, helping them with their form. It doesn't even have to be kids either. I've had a lot of people, you know, my age or even older than me that um, have came into my classes and just work because it's it's wild, just the little things that can help you with your smoothness and your speed. That's awesome. That's something I've always thought about. I just kind of hammered it out and learned myself, and it'd be fun to take lessons and actually learn how to do it. Yeah, exactly. But, now, you know, I really do enjoy it. Now, you mentioned your program and giving back and, and everything. Um, you offer a chance for fans to get involved in your program. You want to talk about that a little bit? Um, absolutely. So are you talking about – because I have several different ways. I obviously have my shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, and hats and stuff like that on my website at kevinmorans.com. Um, that's kind of the best way for anybody, any fans to kind of get involved and help support me because those proceeds go back to my, towards my program. Mm-hmm. Um, or are you talking about my helmet wrap situation? I'm talking more about the helmet wrap situation. Yeah, so that was actually an awesome thing because it, it, the same situation there is I used part of that to help give back and part of it, you know, obviously helps me fund my racing. My flights and my hotels is mm-hmm. kind of my, was my business plan behind that. Um, so I bring it together, you know, if anybody, any business is close to that super cross round, wherever we're at, or even if they're not, they just want to be a part, feel like they're a part of something, be a part of my program. Um, I come in and I have my helmet, which is a fly formula helmet, and my graphics company, which is Bike Graphics, actually personally designed the template for this helmet because nobody had had it yet. So they actually had designed this before Supercross themselves. So they killed it on that. And I provide the helmet, the um, uh, the graphic designing, the graphics, um, and I wear that helmet. So it's whatever brand, whatever logo, whatever name you want on that helmet is what I run for that Supercross route. And you get the marketing out of it, everything that all the videos, all the TV time that I get, anything you guys, you know, that I get social media wise is towards that business as well. And then you get four passes for Supercross. So you can actually come watch the race, feel like you're a part of the team, because I'm part of the TPJ team. And they have, you know, a hospitality center. They have, you get an actual like Supercross feel from the event, you know what I mean? Instead That's of just awesome. being a fan, yeah. like you get to be a part of a program. That's awesome. So, and then at the end, I sign the helmet that has their logos all over it, and they get to keep the helmet. That's really an awesome program. I know that's something yeah. that I've really gotten into the last few years, trying to find ways to help those privateers try to get the next round. That's how I came across your program and how we met. And it's just an awesome opportunity for those of us that don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to start a team. It's a way a small business or an average Joe like me can contribute a, a small sum of money and really help you guys out. Because you guys really are the cornerstone and the foundation of the sport. Without yeah. you guys, uh, there'd be 10 guys out there every week. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like the biggest thing for me is it, it one, I enjoy doing it and just learning because this was just a new idea for me for this year. Um, and I felt like I, I really kind of took off with it. Like I already had several of them lined up for the rest of Supercross, but obviously those got canceled or at least postponed. 
Um, but I feel like for next year, and even I'm planning on doing a little bit, uh, a little bit of the same thing for outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I know the the difference between Supercross and outdoors is <laughs> a little bit different. You're not in a stadium; it's yeah. not super easy uh, to see logos or anything like that. But um, and that's you know it'll be kind of based off of price as well. The price will come down for outdoors because I know it's not quite as valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still helps me pay for my flights and hotels. Like that's the biggest thing. That's my whole goal behind the helmet wrap idea is to help me pay for my flights and hotels because you know clearly that's just out of my pocket unless I can find someone that's one willing to be a part of my program, support a privateer, and get some awesome you know footage, content, and get a sweet piece of memorabilia out of it. Right on, right on. Well, it sounds like a good program, and I, I know it's, it's something that, that, like I said, for me and for fans like me, it opens up a door for them to get a little more involved, so that's a great idea. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we'll just wrap up the podcast here with just a couple fun questions. What's your favorite cheat meal? My favorite oh, cheat meal? Yeah. Uh, can I, I don't know about cheat meal, but my favorite like thing to cheat with is chocolate chip cookies. Uh, okay. Cheap. Right on, right on. Uh, what's your favorite? Tra- what's your favorite track to ride? Oh man, honestly, I'd have to say one of my favorite races is Red Bud. Red Bud just gnarly, especially at the Pro National. It's just a completely different vibe. The fans are insane. It's just that's a good weekend. Right on. Um, other than dirt bikes, if you could do anything else for a living, whether it be another sport, a career, whatever, what would you like to do? Um, honestly, so I, I played football all the way through high school, um, and I have, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, one, I would obviously probably have to be bigger <laughs> to be able to play, uh, professionally with that. I think that would be fun, but I have a lot of interest in, like, real estate and flip analysis and stuff like that, so I think that's kind of where my career will go, you know, later in life. Right on, right on. That worked for uh, Greg Albertine for several years, so. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, have you ever ridden a two-stroke? Uh, yes, I have. Do you prefer two strokes or four strokes? Uh, depends. If I'm just going out and ripping, having fun on the weekend, probably two stroke. But for racing purposes, I think it's a little bit easier to ride a four stroke because <laughs> I'm a very consistent, smooth rider. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a very sporadic, wide open, sketchy kind of rider. So the four stroke suits me better because it's easier to stay, you know, smooth through the corners. Nice rolling on the throttle and everything, so I'd have to say four stroke. Nice. If you could travel anywhere in the world, whether it be for a race or vacation, what's the one place you want to go that you haven't been to yet? Mm, anywhere in Europe. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I think Australia would be one. I'd love to to go down to Australia and figure out. Um, I need to try to figure out, you know, what teams are racing down there. There you go. Um, I'd love to go down there and do that series, the same one that uh, like Blos and them were doing uh, this past year. Right on. Um, I like to close out the podcast by giving the guests the opportunity to thank any family, friends, sponsors, mechanics, anyone who's helped them along in their career. And if there's anything I missed in the podcast that you'd like to add, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biggest ones that, that I'd have to give a shout out to is my parents, my mom, my dad, they sacrificed a lot for me um, just to get me to this point. So, you know, all of us kids as racing, you know, we're way too young to have any kind of uh, our own income, so it's all out of, out of our parents. So extreme respect for them, trust me, because I understand what money's like now. So, <laughs> real world, real real world hits you. But uh, 
No, definitely my parents, my brother. Um, he's definitely one that pushed me all the way through my career. Uh, and then everybody that supported me this year. The biggest ones, the TPJ racing team. Uh, they really stepped up for me this year, um, allowing me to, to fly to the races. You know, they kind of helped me out with the transport side and being a part of their team is it's an amazing program. So the whole TPJ fly racing team, um, Leco Cycles really stepped up for me this year with my bikes. Uh, the goat farm, I love training down there. Um, you know, UBC breaks. I, I go down the list. And, mm. But the biggest thing is just everybody that's part of my program have really stepped up behind me and I've really stepped up to try to advertise and you know do the best that I can for all of my sponsors so the biggest thing for me is just making sure that you give back to those that give to you you know what I mean absolutely absolutely so well uh there's a lot of people that are behind me I appreciate every every one of them but I don't want to necessarily I hear there's a lot of them I hear (laughs) the bigger one the bigger ones are definitely like let go fly racing PPJ you know, everybody that's helped me, mechanics-wise, this year, uh, Drew's really, Drew Slope really stepped up for me, so. Right on. There's a lot of people that are behind me, and I'm excited to get back to racing. Well, we're excited to see you out there again and, and watching you over the next few years as you grow in your career and, and make those top tens and start working towards podiums. Absolutely. So I just want to thank you one more time for coming on the podcast. I look forward again to when racing resumes, and uh, you have yourself a great day. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll get right back into the podcast with our second guest, Brad Gephardt, owner and operator of Big MX Radio. There's nothing funner than railing a berm, so you might as well look good doing it. Berm Lords Graphics can help with that. A graphics company offering clean designs, superior materials, quick turnarounds, top-notch customer service, and ran by racers. Check out Berm Lords on Facebook and Instagram, or search hashtag Berm Lords. All right, on the podcast with me now is the host of the Big uh, MX Radio, uh, Brad Gebhardt. Thank you for joining us on the podcast tonight. How you been? It's been a long time coming, my friend. Thank you so much for having me here on the Gebhardt yeah, Podcast. Everyone here over at Big MX Radio is excited that uh, I'm going to cover over. But I say everyone, I mean myself, because I am a little bit of I hear that. I tend to say we a lot on the podcast, and then I think about it, I'm like, wait, this is a one-man show. Who's we? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds fun. I think it's like we, I think everyone over here is super excited uh, about this. Um, and then you can use that line, talk to the and stuff like that. Maybe it's a little bit more of a big deal than it is. But, uh, yeah, it's legit. I think you can uh uh, picking up the points a little bit, putting out some content, and uh, I was like, you need all the I hear that, I hear that. Now, uh, I came across the, the Big MX Radio about a couple of years ago, and really last year is when I really started listening to a lot of episodes. So, in case any of my listeners, or like myself, would like to get to know you a little more, how did you get into dirt bikes? Uh, I got into dirt bikes. Uh, it gave me a little bit more years and uh, I have a 
<laughs> there you go. That's that's a uh, it's a little different. I was begging my dad for bikes, but uh, you got into it. That's good. Did you do any any uh, racing, any amateur stuff? Absolutely. I would say I guess I still do some amateur stuff. Um, I, I never did ascend to the uh, the pro class, the A class, locally here. Of course, I'm glad I have this for uh, a decade or so more. Uh, but yeah, I started on, on uh, Palisade 85 back in 2000. Uh, and then uh, after three years on those, moved up to CS 125. Uh, pretty much thought that I was being screwed on that thing back in 2004. Uh, I myself on the ground a few times because of that. But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, drive that fourth stroke wave into the mid 2000s, and, uh, and then now, as, as an adult, I still ride, I still race a little bit. I don't know if I'd like to do it, but it's all the shit. Uh, so yeah, I got a KTM 250 uh, that I absolutely love, uh, to work on. It's, uh, it's a little bit of power to get my, uh, 185 pound right on that answers one of my questions down the road i i know this from talking to you in the past but obviously you're a two-stroke guy you'll take a two-stroke over a four-stroke any day Is your favorite track, or is there a track that you haven't gotten to yet that you absolutely would love to ride? Uh, we're going to fly where a 
Minnesota. It's almost six hours south where I'm at. I've raced there about 10 to 20 times uh, over the years, both in amateur days, uh, as well as just some recap way back in the day uh, with my daddy driving down there. Uh, the soil is unbelievable when it's out of depth, uh, and it was just a great job coming up in the gym at it. So uh, I think if I had to run them ahead, favorite track, that would be fun. Right on. Um, a lot of people uh, like Millville. I'm going to have to get out there and get me a bike and get out to Millville track. A lot of people said that's their favorite track. I think the Dark Side loves that track. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I know Keith Ray's down today there. I would say two of us play out there. Actually, uh, Ron Mabel and Grace, uh, uh, I think, together at some point or something like that. But yeah, it's a fantastic track. It's just got really long soil. Right on. Now let's uh, shift gears. Let's talk about your uh, Big MX radio. Uh, how did that start? Was uh, was it? Were you the originator of it, uh, or I know like Darkseid, he took over the Moto X pod. Uh, how did how did Big MX radio come about? I did not know that uh, uh, Darkseid over the Moto X pod. I mean, he did have his his part. Oh, game, you know, it's still around there sometimes. But anyway, uh, Big Next Radio is my idea. It's gone from being a huge part of that stuff. Absolutely huge part of that stuff. Of course, you come here. I knew who he was when I was going up, racing around there. I wasn't, I'm not going up to you know, actually watch them race. Uh, and and I never raced here before, but, but I didn't get that. Uh, but uh, I wasn't racing back then yet. But uh, I love the show, and uh, honestly, I was sort of a proper, I love the idea of the show, but it's a dumb thing. I was just, uh, just before the, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, the, 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 the rabbit hole. Mm. Way back in the, five, six years ago, Mathis only did the, he did the race review pod, he did the regular podcast, Um, so for me, it was like this thing to start up small, interview some local guys, 
Golden Book, by the way. Uh, the loop will have some big MS radio. My loop will be ID. Play off of that. That's going to make the podcast high a little bit bigger. Uh, I was the third one. I think the third biggest podcast in a little about now. Uh, this one, I don't know. This episode seven, about seven fifty weapons. And uh, so I kind of got in at the ground floor and I just never stopped. Uh, for any reason, I was the fact that I continued to love doing it. I was talking about before, and uh, it was only a few weeks back now that I had uh, Jimmy Button on Jimmy Button was a guy that I was, I looked up to this time, uh, did the podcast, with the best we've had about about three or four times over the years, and then I think the episode prior to that was just two. So, and I think Doug was probably, uh, like, those are the best conversations that they can have with uh, all, the, all the podcasts that uh, you have to put up. looking back at the uh, website the big mx radio.com and you are up there at the 750 mark which is the highest other than the pulp mx show that i've seen so congratulations on success and the longevity that you've done with it and also I can't think of anything better than to, to talk about dirt bikes, and especially when you can talk to the people. Now, your last few episodes, just to name some of the names you've had, guys that I grew up watching, like Pedro Gonzalez and Jimmy Button that you just talked about, and more recent, you've even talked to uh, Shane McElrath. You've had him on the podcast. So you've built yourself a bit of a connection into the industry and with some of the riders. How did that come about? Did that come about from you talking to them, going to races, or have you been hitting them up on social media? How, how, how do you line up your guests to come on to your podcast? Uh, well, honestly, a lot of this is done through social media. Well, obviously, and uh, uh, getting going, uh, it wasn't uh, really an option for me to... Uh, Every single one of them, I was every single press day, even though about half of them got ready to go. 
the opportunity to be part of every single one of those guys to be talk to them, have that face time, uh, and, and take as many hands as I could. Um, admittedly, I wish that I would have um, been more diligent with this more and been more prepared for it. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the, uh, the relationships that I've built uh, with guys like Shane, and Shane, I believe, at the time, was a member of the first guard KPM. And that's when the two of us first hit it off, it just took the out of the Doris Toledo Escondido, uh, so I just spent this time, I just woke up, so it was, uh, paradise, yeah, But either way, um, making those connections have sort of created these, uh, long lasting, uh, the first guest on the podcast that I've seen on, uh, I feel, I feel bad to tell that I've seen on two acts, and I don't, I really love talking about them. They just always take my thoughts. Shane Rockerrap, like, no joke, uh, is probably one of the best humans in the sport. Shane Rockerrap is the kind of guy that will send you, uh, a marriage with a happy birthday sex. I don't know where, if, if he's that genuine with a guy, he actually knows what his birthday is, send you a sex, I don't know. I always think so that he has a very good family every year. Uh, I brought one up for 11 years, it's 2017 and uh yeah those are the type of tools that people have to keep us of course the tools that they're going to have on the podcast but uh i'm pretty pumped that people are definitely going to have to do that that's awesome i know uh, i just started doing interviews myself these last couple of weeks not having race content to review and, and it has been awesome like you said you get those guys that they just they go that extra mile and it's like you're talking to one of your heroes and it's just such an amazing amazing thing and the writers for the most part, they're really cool. Like they, they don't mind, you know, as long as you're not pestering them, they, they like to come on and talk moto just as much as we do. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're awesome. You know, okay. And, uh, they're just normal people. Like, yeah, there's some guys up there that are, uh, they're 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 Now, moving forward into the future, do you still have any any new plans or any goals you wish to uh, accomplish with the uh, Big MX Radio? Yeah, I'm, 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 I
Um, to be completely honest, uh, if, I, if everything shut down tomorrow, I can honestly say that uh, I'm happy with how things have gone and what I've been able to accomplish with it. But uh, am I satisfied? No, I need to find uh, as far as uh, where I'd like to see the show to go, uh, I'd like to be able to generate enough revenue to be able to support the people on that side of here with people who go to entry. That's what I run me about. It's like, you know, it comes to like $1,500 per guy, so at least like $3,000 if it's uh, uh, with the fund, sort of, to get that going with someone along those lines. But um, honestly, like, yeah, I have, I have a list of people that I'd like to have on the show. I want to have Darren McGrath on the show. I've actually done a show with him at the uh, Cody actually Eden Second Center uh, back in 2017. With him and I hosted a show for ESPN Radio, which is unbelievable. Uh, the fact that, like, I walk out from Jeremy to those who I was prior to that. He said, hey, I haven't just done it. I haven't heard of it. I mean, he, 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 he tuned into all my Christmas shows uh, when I came down to California. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I'd like to have Richie Michael on the show. He's obviously a huge, uh, uh, like, you're an ego, yeah, I'm a beautiful guy. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I'll ever get to see one of the names of the team. And, uh, if that, if I'm going to set my, my sights on, I will be having that guy on the show. But, um, yeah, like, I, I want to do, I want to do a thousand shows. I want to do 10,000 shows. I want to do, if you're throwing thoughts down, that, um, I'm like the, the, the number one go-to that for uh, the sport of motorcycle. I think I can uh, possibly get there. It'll take a lot of time. It'll take a lot of dedication. But uh, I have no problem dedicating a lot of time. Or, uh, people think it's totally weird. Because I don't, uh, I don't watch TV. Um, I have about a terabyte of uh, old braces to watch. Uh, so I can just do it with a external uh, like hard drive. And anyone who wants to, if you want to get, get in touch with me, send me an external hard drive. I will fill this thing up with you. Uh, I got everything from uh, the 70s, 80s, 90s, mid 2000s, 2010s. I have everything all the way to 2016. And I just don't really want those stuff. I love watching my own videos. Uh, like Revelation 199, the Terra Ceremony, the Christmas of the Battle of Rock Day. I absolutely love all that stuff. I love you watching it, seeing stuff that I think it's fire time. Uh, and it's just, like, in the long run, I would love to see uh, the people on the podcast. I'm excited to start. Uh, I want to go to start. Uh, those are the best things I want to talk about. Uh, I think they're Right on, yeah. I hear you. I know all about, you know, all those guys you mentioned, especially the guys from the 90s. I'd love to get on. Um, Kadrowski, Huffman, they were local heroes of mine. I'd love to get them on this podcast. Um, let's talk some Supercross now. It has been exactly two months today since we last raced in Daytona. So what have you been doing to get your racing fix in over this time of shutdown? Well, I think what? I, 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 uh, for the hard drive. Terabyte for, uh, I got every Terabyte. I got every single, and all the, uh, the 90s videos, or the 2000 videos. I have hard copy every single one of the great outdoors videos. Watching those things. Um, as far as racing goes, I, I, I don't have any of the modern uh, Supercross games that don't play on the simulator, mainly because that game is so shit. Uh, but uh, I have MX uh, Superfly, as well as Ricky Carmichael 2002 uh, uh, Motocross, which is you know, a, 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 a fantastic game. I think 
then try to find like 1997, it's all out there. I was able to do a little bit. I wrote a few, uh, a few accounts of collecting phone rates and whatever, but sometimes you can take it from Like you said, I, I randomly uh, I can find the old races on YouTube. That's what I've been watching. I need to get that hard drive out to you because they'll have like Moto One, but not Moto Two, or the Two Fifties and not the Four Fifties. So I need to get that hard drive out to you so I can get more consistent on it. But I've been watching a lot of the old races on YouTube, and uh, my wife and I are gamers, so we we got the newest and greatest uh, system. So we've been playing Supercross Three, the game. Well, I've been playing Supercross Three, the game a lot, and. Uh, MXGP 19, so that's how I've been getting my fix in. Uh, no, I create my own character. I, this, uh, I didn't get to, you know, we talked on your podcast back in January, and I didn't get the opportunity to really race much, so I, I live through video games. Speaking of that, back when I was on your podcast in January, uh, you and I were a little mixed on who we thought was going to win. We both had uh, Tomac, Roxon, and Webb in our top three for the 450s. You had Tomac winning with Roxon second, Webb third. I had Roxon winning with uh, Tomac second and Webb third. You still stand by that, or are you, are you thinking now that we've seen a few more races, are you, are you feeling any different? good spot um now assuming we have these seven races uh whether it be before or after uh how do you feel the racing is going to be when it starts back up because to me it almost feels like we're starting a whole new season since Cirillo's back from his injury there's rumors moose scan might be coming back out uh it's going to be kind of crazy when we start back up if we start back up yeah i would imagine that uh like if, if we if like 
Yeah, that's a like comments like Adam Cincerillo said. It's almost like they're going to be racing a whole year and a half without a break. But I mean, hey, it's a it's a crazy time in our, in the world, let alone the sport right now. So we got to do what we got to do, right? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, I think mean, honestly, like we're like we're going to have an option. What would you call this right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> Get ready. 
someone else is going to grab an opportunity and look uh, great. So uh, it's, it's something that everyone's going to have to deal with. Uh, I think there's those factors. So this all needs to be made. We're going to have to factor it. But uh, no longer, I think that we are going to put the past and everything to fill up from 20, uh, whenever that happens to happen. And then uh, I am bad with it all things are basically, for the most part, Absolutely, we'll have to collab and do a preview show. <laughs> All right, just a couple fun questions to finish off the podcast. Uh, what is your favorite meal or snack? you've owned if you had to pick one to ride the rest of your life which bike would you pick question if you had to live a motocross themed groundhog day where you had to relive the same race day over and over what race would you want it to be it can be any race whether it was before your time one you went to or just one you've watched on tv okay so this is a race that, I, that i'm watching or the one that i see it, it can be any time it can be back from the 70s to last one daytona just a race that you either watched or you've seen on YouTube or you were there for that you, if you could only watch one race over and over, that would be the race you want to watch or be at. Okay, I'm going to make this one. This is uh, 2000 and uh, I think it's uh, uh, Michael, James Stewart. Thank you. 
dominant and you you just saw something different in him in 2001 he put in the work and he was ready now I like the now just go ahead Close out the podcast. I like to open up the the floor for the guests to thank any sponsors or anyone who's helped them along their way, and to add anything I might have missed in this podcast. So uh, the floor is yours, and uh, go ahead and close it out. Okay, well, first of all, I want to thank you for bringing me on the podcast. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I really appreciate you uh, making time for me, making me uh, putting me on a pedestal here. Although I don't. Yeah. 
check that out. But also, not very down person to bench race and talk dirt bikes with you you're uh, you and i could talk for hours about stuff so thank you um i just want to thank uh berm lord graphics who came on and had created our logo for our podcast and uh once again thank you for coming on and making the time to be on here and for the purpose of the podcast we'll go ahead and end it there uh just stay on the line we'll talk a little bit afterwards and that'll thank you guys come back next week to uh the next episode of dentify podcast <laughs>